And welcome back to the Conservative Atheist Podcast. I'm the Conservative Atheist, your host, and I'm joined by my producer and co-host. Writer later. Hey, guys. And today we're interviewing Thomas Sheedy. Welcome to the show, Thomas Sheedy. Thank you for having me. And if you could give me a little background on what, how you become an atheist and uh, your age and, and roughly, you know, some little bit of uh, background on you. Sure. So, uh... Hi, everybody. My name is Thomas Sheedy. I'm the president and founder of an organization called Atheists for Liberty. Um, I'm 24 years old, became an atheist at 15 um, and uh, quickly saw in my youth the absurdities um, within uh, the Roman Catholic Church. I was raised Catholic for 15 years, saw kind of the joke of its religious practices, its take on certain public policy issues. And quickly after I left the church, I started to get involved in activism and community building that related to um, the rise of atheism, a promotion of skepticism, and advancing secularism. Okay, and um, so have you completely abandoned the the different teachings and the different uh, moral principles of, of Christianity, or do you kind yeah. of implement yeah, it's, them it's in, pretty in your much own belief? gone from the ether because I make the claim that that a lot of these values and ethics and principles are not derived from Christianity. And so I have continued to remain, at least I consider myself to remain, a uh, an ethical, good-minded human being in a civilized world, or at least in a civilized place, um, without meeting the tenets of religion. I, I have to say that I, I we differ a little bit on that. I, 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 I have no problem with Christianity as a philosophy, I, I think of it like, um, you know, I don't, I'm not comparing myself to Thomas Jefferson, but I kind of look at Christianity the way Thomas Jefferson did. Um, he wrote what's what's the, the you know the famous Jefferson Bible, which takes out all the supernatural aspects of the Bible, but keeps the the uh, you know the ethical and moral teachings. And, I would uh, that, I would concur in that respect, but then I would make the argument that that's religion taking credit for human ethics and values, at least in the continental. Um, United States and Western Europe, um, that they then just took credit and, and took for granted um, in order to continue the buildup of the faith. We've seen this throughout the centuries with the rise of Catholicism and its its hold on Europe uh, to the continued influence that Christianity tries to have um, right now in public policy and right now across the U.S., so on public policy, what, what do you think you would probably differ on as far as, um, with, I mean, do you consider yourself a conservative? I'm pretty much involved in many respects in the conservative movement. So okay. um, on the vast majority of issues um, with, say, today's Republicans, I would be in, in much agreement. Okay, so for instance, um, illegal immigration. Yeah, I'm purely against illegal immigration. If you want to come into the, this country, you got to come in fairly. Would you yeah, like, like do you identify as a libertarian? No. Okay. <laughs> I uh I, I we we are heavily involved as an organization in the liberty movement as well. Um we have a lot of libertarians that are part of the organization, a lot of conservatives that are part of the organization, a lot of disaffected liberals and people from the the old atheist movement and atheist community um that are involved. Um I'm kind of just a jack of all trades in many respects. Uh you could put me into any one of these rooms and I'm able to adapt very quickly. Um but when it comes to a lot of pol policy positions, uh, I mostly take the right-leaning stance. Okay. So another would be, um, what, what's your take on, on abortion, on the overturning of Roe versus Wade? So 
that is an interesting one. So when it came to the overturning of Roe versus Wade a few months ago, a lot of people think that it's, oh, this is just a, some some pro-life uh, decision that uh, eliminated the right to abortion in the United States. That's actually not true. It eliminated, you know, this constitutional right to privacy, which many uh, constitutional um, uh, constitutional scholars uh, and advocates will actually state that the original Roe versus Wade decision made didn't have much legal merit to stand on when it came to the argument for a right to privacy. So that's what really the the decision on, on Roe v. Wade was about. Um, when it comes to abortion, at least when it comes to atheists for liberty, we don't take a stance. Um, we have a lot of um, uh, pro-life and pro-choice members. It's something that we don't really uh, put a foot out to die on, particularly because if we're trying to build an anti-woke atheist community, we know that abortion is also one of the most contentious issues right now. Um, that, that is uh, in general. So abortion is really, a, a, for us at least, and what we're trying to accomplish right now, a non-issue. Well, setting aside the organization, you as an individual, what would, well, can I get your individual take on it? Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of the practice of abortion. I think yeah, that well, I agree. you as an individual should try to go about every single other option available to you. I think we need to normalize the idea of adoption more. Uh, yes. We need to normalize the idea of, uh, uh, you know, various other different avenues and ways um, for this potential life, right, to come into the world without that practice having to um, having to occur. Um, I am in favor of, say, more education about contraception and other things that we can do to prevent more abortions in the world, because I'm not a fan of the practice whatsoever. Um, I think that in rare cases, I do think that uh, it should be permitted. But overall, when it comes to the, that issue as a whole, I'm not. A, I'm not really. Uh, I'm not really a fan. Yeah, we're we're in agreement. We're in agreement. I'm, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, and and people get this idea that the overturning of Roe versus Wade means again it's that it's a ban on abortion across the United States. All it does is it it changes it from a federal issue to a state by state issue. Yeah, exactly. And you have the majority of blue states are going to state are going to stay. Um, abortion is going to remain legal in those states. That's not going to change whatsoever. In fact, this is something that I think conservatives should have also taken a look at when it comes to abortion, the practice of abortion, say if you're in a purple state um, such as uh, Wisconsin or even my home state of New York, which, uh, you know, New York City is pretty blue, but I live in a red congressional district. There's vast parts of, of the state of New York that are red. Um, part of me wonders if we actually shot ourselves in the foot a little bit here um uh, you know as 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 uh you could say people are not the biggest fans of of the you know everything in the abortion rights movement um because you'll have a lot of blue states that'll just expand legislation that'll make uh the availability for abortion options even more vast um maybe that was unavoidable but i definitely think that that's going to happen too california <laughs> Uh, Oregon, Washington, Massachusetts, uh, I think you're going to see in the next few years uh, more legislation that will expand um, uh, the uh, what you could do uh, abortion-wise. Yeah, I, th I think we were kind of heading in that direction anyway, though. I I'm interested in this, uh, I guess, as an aside, because I think there's a couple states that allow for abortion, I guess, up to, I guess, nearly, I guess, uh, pretty much up to the time the uh, child's born. But uh, I think New York cuts it off at, I believe, 24 weeks. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, is there actually any sort of legislation coming down the pike? Because uh, I, I, uh, I, this actually makes rational sense, but uh, I don't know if uh, I, I actually hadn't uh, read much about this. I don't know if uh, you have or if it's more so you're just uh, speculating on this. I am speculating. I haven't really done any research much into what's happening in the state assembly and state senate on this issue, but um, wouldn't be surprised if I wake up, pop open my newsfeed, and see something new coming afloat. Right, yeah. right. I, now, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm also curious about what your take is on the, on the uh, Supreme Court decision about guns in the, in New York, because I know that in New York, as I understood it, you could have a gun permit, but you were only getting the gun permit. To, for to have it in your house you couldn't take it out yeah and, and and gun rights in the state of new york is only getting worse and worse right i remember watching a uh, a john stossel special from just several years ago when he was on fox still about how ridiculous it was to get a gun in new york city alone all the paperwork that you had to do and how if you were a normal person that didn't have special status or connections with say the police or special connections uh with uh with anybody who works in the, the state judiciary, uh, it's nearly impossible to get a firearm. And I think that most of New York State is going to go down a very similar um, path when it comes to this. Luckily, I know that New York State is also the state of some of the fiercest Second Amendment defenders uh, in the nation. But simultaneously, I uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I uh, especially somebody who wants to eventually get a gun himself um, just for self-defense purposes. Right. Um, it is an avenue that I'm, I'm becoming more disappointed in researching and looking into just because of the state of affairs. In it, the state. it seems like what the, the left doesn't understand that disarming innocent citizens just makes them more vulnerable to the criminals. It mm-hmm. doesn't take the guns out of the hands of the criminals. It, it just makes it easier. It just makes their job of being a criminal much easier. Yeah. And, um, that doesn't help. That doesn't help anybody. It leads right. to more debts, more, you know, suburban Democrats, you know, getting very upset at, you know, what's happened. Well, in many ways, you caused this yourself. You you could have enacted policies that could have enabled these people to be properly defended. And I'm not even talking about, you know, uh, anything very extreme or very radical. Um, security guards being better trained. Um easier access to good citizens obtaining firearms in order to prevent um, further deaths. You know, this is nothing that um, that most people that are even in the center, in the middle of the road, would, would disagree on. Um, but because this issue has been so politicized and with the media playing their part and making sure that one perspective of the issue wins, at least publicly, um, it's very hard sometimes to get the message across to show people, hey, like this is actually rational. This is normal. This is actually going to save lives. Um, so it's, but I, um, I've always remained uh, a staunch defender of Second Amendment rights uh, from supporting uh, the NRA to gun owners of America. And it's something I'm going to continue to do further on in my career. Absolutely. Now, one, one of the things that, uh, see, I, I'm in Ohio, and Ohio is one of the states that's recently went uh, what they call constitutional carry, which means you don't have to have any training, you don't have to have a permit, you don't have to have anything. As long as you don't have some sort of legal restriction, like you, you know, you've been deemed incompetent mentally, or you've got a felony on your record, then you can't, you can't legally carry, but other, otherwise you can carry however you want. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I gotta be honest with you, most people know I'm, I'm a big gun guy, but 
I'm very, very, I'm not happy about that because I have to tell you that I think that people should have some training. They should know what they're doing with their hands yeah. on a gun. I, I think that's reasonable. Uh, you know, I'm not saying don't let people have guns, but at least have them have a little bit of training. So yeah, that, 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 that's where I think a lot of the center of the road people that are not really right wing, for instance, would, you know, would advocate for. And I think, I think if we as a movement and as a party, you know, personally speaking, Right. Advocate for positions such as that. I think we'd win more people over. Yeah, I, I was wondering, uh, I guess, hearkening back to the abortion issue and I guess kind of your state of New York. And I live in Illinois and I'm seeing this where in which it seems to be the case that uh, a lot of liberal or somewhat disaffected liberals or moderates that uh, maybe because I guess the president's so unpopular and they see the economy and all the other things that are happening, they would be much more amenable to the Republican Party. They're seemingly straying away from them because they say, oh, this is the party of abortion. And obviously now they can implement or they can implement uh, anti-abortion laws. So why vote them in, which obviously in uh, Illinois is, is not going to happen regardless because they're always oh, in yeah. the Senate. But I'm wondering, do you see this uh, uh, inadvertently kind of bogging down Republicans? I know uh, I'm forgetting the guy who's I know his name starts with a Z where he I guess he had uh, I'm forgetting the congressman. I know his name starts with Who's the kind of front runner in the New York uh, gubernatorial? My congressman, actually, uh, oh. Lee Zeldin. Because I, I know that uh, it seems like he's being bogged down with abortion. He pretty much said outright, look, I'm pro-life, but nothing's going to change in New York. And it, it doesn't seem to make much of a difference. And I'm wondering if you kind of uh, uh, see that as well. And what are your kind of thoughts on that? So I would actually agree. Um, and as somebody who I, I, I'll you know, admit, I don't um, abortion is not an issue I'm really passionate about. It's why I kind of gave the half-assed answer when you guys asked me it, um, mainly because I also run an organization, right, that is indifferent to the topic of abortion, too. So I have plenty of other issues to focus on. Right. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll defend him here because I think that he's also being realistic to the state of affairs in New York State. And he's trying to win over a lot of people that might have voted for Biden in 2020 who might actually be moderate in the middle of the road, might not be super Trumpy or right-wing or populist, but he, he wants to try to show them, hey, Kathy Hogel, our governor, um, has restricted your freedoms with, with, uh, under the COVID pandemic, keeps extending emergency powers. Gas prices were extremely high just a few weeks ago um, with little to no end in sight at that time uh, with them going down, given the war in Ukraine and various other foreign policy decisions, um, people at the top don't care about you. Here I am with a good track record in Congress and, and a good rating among um, my own constituents on Long Island trying to actually do something. And, and I think that, you know, if we could get if we could get anybody right now into the governor's mansion um, who is not. Kathy Hochul and not a Democrat, you know, it's, it's been a formula that we've been experimenting in New York state for a while. Um, I, I view that sort of, I view that as a win. Um, right. I think he's just simply being realistic to what the state of affairs in, uh, in New York is right now. Now, if you could, if you could have your choice, I, I know, so you said you don't live, I take it you don't live in New York city itself. No, I live, I live on Long Island. So Lee Zeldin gotcha. actually, he represents uh, the Eastern parts of Suffolk County, um, New York. So, uh, so that's actually where I'm located right now. So just, just out of uh, curiosity, if, if you have an opinion on it, how, how, how do you think that the new mayor of New York is doing? Um, I think that on the most part, he is not doing the best job. Um, I have seen constant videos, and I bet many of you have, of crime spiking 
with oh, yeah. of New York, NYPD officers not being able to do their job effectively. You have we have something called a catch and release system where you can get arrested, literally beat a guy up and get out the same day. Um, Lee Zeldin, speaking of Lee Zeldin, actually, he got attacked a few weeks ago at one of his campaign rallies. Yeah. I, um, you know what? I remember that. I remember that. And what the happened? Guy, the guy the had guy some kind of attacked uh... him, got released just a few hours later. Just a few hours later, and the only reason why he was later arrested is because Lee Zeldin is a current member of the U.S. House of Representatives. So federal th authorities then came in, superseding state law, and arrested him for assaulting a congressman. Right. Right. I do remember that. Jump, jumping right on the stage, they had to tackle the guy to the ground. I, I remember that. It was ridiculous. And the idea that he jumped. And, and Lee Zeldin even said, I predict he gets right back out. And he got right back out. Yeah. So yeah. that's... That's that. It's just that pathetic. You don't have to be a psychic to know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm wondering uh, in regards to your organization because I guess uh, you guys uh, uh, function as kind of a big tent organization. I'm wondering, would you say mm -hmm. there's uh, any sort of kind of paramount mission to? Would you say it's some sort of like anti wokeism because you did reference something like uh, New Atheist, which uh, I mean I don't know if they're going to have uh, any particular uh, uh, political bent to them. It yeah, so so we are the only national 501c3 atheist organization in the United States um, that explicitly is also against woke ideology. So the very ideology that took down the atheist community, uh, you know, a few just a few years ago, um, we see it as another religion. Just like we see Christian theocracy and Islamism, we see this belief system, this religion as a toxic force that's dividing our nation. And that's actually defending the worst aspects of the quote unquote traditional religions that we opposed. Absolutely. Um, and so we saw the mistake of this. We saw so many people that had public policy experience, um, philosophical backgrounds, intellectual backgrounds, activist backgrounds, you name it political backgrounds that were heavily a part of that atheist, that bipartisan atheist community that saw it, you know, go to hell and who, who wanted to see the mission of, of the original mission of the atheist movement and the atheist community continue to succeed. Well, what were a few things that the atheist community failed at? Number one, given that you guys are conservatives, you know, we failed to properly reach out to conservatives and libertarians. We played a good game in the movement of saying, oh, we just care about separation of church and state and normalizing atheism. We are nonpartisan. That's our original mission. But we ended up going to Netroots Nation more than CPAC. It was only my advisory board, my now advisory board chairman that went out of his way personally to send his organization to CPAC years ago. And he got, he, he barely got any praise from the atheist community then. We also rightfully went after Christian violations of the separation of church and state, but we didn't treat Islam and the Islamic religion the same way, despite the fact that the atheist community rightfully sprouted out after the September 11th attacks, where 3,000, nearly 3,000 Americans were killed in the name of faith, in the name of somebody else's religion. So we, we played a good game. And when playing that game, when the movement was very healthy, we did a lot of great, good things. But then we allowed far left, woke, activists and individuals to say that our movement was racist and evil and sexist and you name it and that we needed to bring in all these special social justice advocates <laughs> right. to tell us where the real hate and racism and sexism is and it led to us literally pissing away millions of dollars from our massive think tanks 501c3s 501c4s and PACs into the reflecting pool of the lincoln memorial in 2016 
And it's very unfortunate. So myself and numerous other experts from the atheist movement and other people in politics realized that the need for an organized atheist community that isn't filled with this ideology, that is consistent and true to their values and mission, needs to exist in the 21st century. Atheism isn't going anywhere. We might as well have this growth of atheism go in the right direction and not the wrong direction. So yeah, I agree. We created, we uh, premiered Atheists for Liberty, and we've been growing and growing and ever expanding ever since. Well, one of the one of the things I noticed that you you posted um, on on your Twitter feed was books that you had found, I believe, at the airport. Um, yeah. And you know, so there's a lot of people out there that claim to be anti anti racism. But at the same time, they're not really anti-racism. They're anti-racism if you're talking about black people. Yeah. But but this it's 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 one thing to be racist. Okay, you're racist. That's that's not good. But it's just to me, it's just bizarre how many white people are anti-white and accept and embrace and encourage other races to be anti-white. It's it's very strange. It's like a it's a self-loathing that I just can't wrap my mind around. It's and it's very unfortunate. You know, I'm. I've never been a fan of, of racial politics and, and racism as a whole. I, I feel like I'm playing this. Just letting you guys know, I'm not racist. So I've never been, I've never been a, a fan of this, but I find it to be interesting that you, so the United States and plenty of other European countries, right? They're still, they still have a majority white population. Yet we have an entire culture that is demonizing that is demonizing uh, white Americans. And I find that to be, uh, yeah, any kind of racism I find to be really disgusting and really hateful. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it more in stores and in media. I was at, um, I love this store. Uh, they sell very cheap goods. I like to get every once in a while in my area. It's called Five Below. New yeah, one. Oh, yeah. I, love, I love Five Below. I really love Five do. Below is an awesome store. I, I uh, wish like, I wish that existed when I was a kid. Honestly, it was, me too. Well, well, I'm I'm still a fairly young guy, but like I wish it existed when I was younger too. And when I was at Five Below, I uh, I remember going through the book section because my girlfriend and I we were looking for cooking books, and uh, this one book that I found was an Ibram X Kendi a journal on racism, so you could journal in all your anti-racist actions of the day. I actually I'm, <laughs> I'm getting my phone now, I'm pulling up a photo of it um let's see where is it so it is be an anti-racist a journal for awareness reflection and action by ibram x kendi the official workbook for the international bestseller how to be an anti-racist so you have this industry this this so-called anti-racist industry now exploding you know to where it's not just at that airport bookstore that i saw a, a little over a year ago that was at a LaGuardia airport in new york by the way i was on my way to freedom fest um, in South Dakota. And so while waiting for my flight, I just, I was exploring around and I saw those books. It's not just, you know, in one little airport bookstore somewhere, this is in bookstores around the country. Right. Um, and it's, it's incredibly unfortunate to see us go from, I would say a fairly colorblind, um, uh, nation back, you could say in the nineties, two thousands, even the early 2010s. And very quickly with this kind of social justice warrior culture, this woke ideology, very quickly, just like what happened to the atheist community, turning American society as a whole into a racial, uh, a racially divided society once again. Um, it makes me fear for the future of the nation. Uh, it makes me fear for the future of, of, of political unity in any respect, um, because 
you know, I, I can't, it's hard to see how there could be a massive form of national unity anymore. Um, but I'm going to keep uh, tweeting about it whenever I see it, because I think we should at least speak out as loud as we can, even if we lose at the end of the day. Even, you know what, even if we lose, we still have to stand up for what we believe is right. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's the, the Ibram X. Kendi, which, uh, I mean, I think he he's received like million dollar grants, I believe he was at Boston University. But the, the anecdote I always love with him is that he posted something like, uh, I guess, like something like a fourth or a quarter of a white college students will, ident will identify as Hispanic because it uh, obviously gives them uh, accommodations and benefits as far as uh, uh, our affirmative action system goes. And he said, oh, this underscores white privilege. Obviously, the irony in that is that uh, if it's the case that white people are knocked down for being white, then it actually doesn't underscore any white privilege. So literally everyone jumped on him instead of admitting that, uh, you know, I committed a fallacy there. He just kept uh, dig digging his heels more and more and kept saying, oh, no, believing this is just a cold thinking. And I thought to myself, like, you can really that, that really does kind of underscore it. And maybe this is kind of the cold thinking. And I'm, I'm an atheist as well, but I wouldn't call myself anti-religion. But this kind of idea where you can just skew anything and you could say that, oh, well, it might rationally seem this way, but it's really not. And that just underscores your racism. I'm like, that's you can. Well, that's my problem with religion. Right. That that's that's my view when it comes to faith and religion. You could make up just about anything. State that you're justified, despite the facts, you know, could be against, you know, could be against your claim. Um, and you could still be seen as a pious, all holy person that we're seeing it with this religion of wokeness. Um, it's why many also new atheists who rightfully stood up against Islam and theocracy, you know, got on the train, uh, you know, anti-woke train, too. I would argue the majority of atheists did not want to be a part of this social justice game that took over the atheist community. And a lot of them are now seeing wokeness turn into the very religions that they used to fight just a few years ago. So, yeah, I, I yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Um, setting aside white people, Hispanic people and black people, setting aside those three groups, I'm still trying to find out why Asians are, are actually penalized when they try to go to colleges and universities. What the what the hell did Asians do to anybody? I, I don't understand. <laughs> I. Uh... I, I, granted, I, 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 I'm, I'm not the most educated in that subject. You know, I know when it comes to like social banter, a lot of people say, oh, well, a lot of Asian cultures are very successful. They're very successful cultures. And because they're very successful cultures, um, you know, they have more of an upper hand compared to other, other students. Well, that's not, that's not their fault. Right. Why are we punishing them for, for if that is the case, right? If we're punishing many like Asian immigrants or, or people from Asian communities, they had a culture of working hard. They're using our system. Uh, they are using the system, sorry, because plenty of them are, are, are American citizens. Right. They're yeah, using yeah. the system yeah. to their advantage and good for them to do so. Maybe right. that's a you know, wake up call for other Americans, regardless of their skin color, to also work just as hard. Exactly. More power to them. It, it, you know, if they if they are successful, good for them. Why, why, why try to why try to keep them back or knock them down? I, I don't understand that, yeah. that type of thinking. Um, so, uh, well, the, the next thing I was I was curious about, um, what do you think we should do about, um, you know, like wars and, and foreign places? Uh, I know that people say that that nation building doesn't work. But I always like to point to uh, post-World War II Germany and post, especially post-World War II Japan. Japan was very similar to the Middle East and, and fanatical beliefs. 
Um, they would, you know, do the kamikaze pilots, fly planes in the, sh in the ships, go out with just enough fuel to make, to make it to the ships because they intended to kill themselves. And some of the pilots were as young as 11, 12 years old. Well, Japan uh, was an interesting case, right? So if we look at the history of Japan, um, I'm a history nerd. So when it comes to some of these things, you and me um, both. I, uh, I nearly chose a minor in history. So I, um, boom, that's my, that's my semi-credential. So, so you're, uh, you're, are you familiar with the werewolves? Uh, no, it's it was the German commandos that Adolf Hitler set up to uh, be insurgents after World War Two. They they did all sorts of nefarious things uh, during the Reconstruction. Yeah, ultimately though they 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 I'm glad they failed at the end of the day. Right, well, I know that uh, the Western powers, especially like not even ten years after, we were very lenient to Germany. Um, soon after, I I watch a lot of history um, YouTube channels and. Uh, I was watching one yesterday about all the West German generals uh, that used to be Wehrmacht generals or uh, members of, of Hitler's staff who later came into positions of power. We set them up with a police force and then later a fully armed military to take on the Warsaw Pact. And then soon East Germany followed suit and literally hired their own, you know, Wehrmacht generals. The Soviets hired their own Wehrmacht generals to do that. But when it comes to Japan, for instance, um, uh they uh ever since the, you know we visited them in the 1850s and they still lived in a the japanese people still lived in a very feudal culture back in the day right um you know the u.s navy was very surprised to see what it saw and this is a very 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 simplified version of this um you can almost say that the japanese were kind of embarrassed of that and so in the latter part of the 19th century, um, they proceeded to want to industrialize and be just like the European powers. Uh, in the early 1900s, late 1800s and early 1900s, they invited European military advisors from Prussia, later Germany, and, and um, France and numerous other different countries to come in and, and to, to, to see that their military was just as good as, as, as Europe's. And then in 1905, they defeated Russia in the Russo-Japanese War. And soon after, they became a massive power to where they mistakenly thought that they, if they could just hold off the United States for a little while and get the U.S. the bargaining table in the, in the beginning of our involvement in World War II, that they could have this massive Japanese Eastern Empire with Adolf Hitler controlling Europe with his empire and the Japanese having this, this massive Eastern influence. Um, so I would say with Japan, it it was fairly easy for us to create a democratic Japan, modernized, westernized Japan, partly because I would argue that the Japanese people wanted that future. Right. I think they wanted to go in that direction. And now Japan is one of our greatest allies. Same and one of, the, one of the safest places to be in the, on the planet. Exactly. So so I'll, I'll state that. When it comes to foreign policy, I'm not exactly an isolationist. I'm not like a – I'm not actually – like a conservative populist when it comes to issues of foreign policy, oh, like never getting involved in any foreign affairs. Um, but I will say that, like, if you go to Afghanistan, right, there was another reason why uh, Afghanistan was able to fall easily to the Taliban, like a second after we left. Um, and it's because also, and this is where the whole atheism part comes in, um, you have these people believing for thousands of years in a real dogmatic religion right. that you know, that respected, the, you know, in that religion, the tenets of Sharia law. Um, 
that's why now Sharia law is back into place in Afghanistan. You see all these these people in the mainstream uh, the mainstream media go like, oh my god, women can't go to school anymore. All these things, yeah, of duh, right. duh, of course they can't under under you know in an Islamic country under Sharia law. Like, why do we have to sugarcoat and pretend that that wouldn't have been the case? Um, but partly it, this is because um, you know we've done so much work. You know, in, in those past 20 years to try to build good relationships with the Afghans. We had a lot of friends and allies who, and, and uh, there were a lot of people in Afghanistan who really did want change. You know, speaking of women, right? A lot of women who did want to get educated and go to school. But there was also a, a significant portion of the population that was just so used to an Islamic way of life. And it's very hard sometimes to, to push for a secular Western way of life when you have that being pushed against you. My view when it comes to foreign policy and what the future of U.S. foreign policy should be in this regard, in many ways, is more of a defensive than offensive view. Uh, I'm going to Austria in a few months. Um, Atheist Liberty is part of a new organization called the Clarity Coalition, founded by Ayan Hirsi Ali and other, um, other allies of hers and other organizations. And one of my concerns is the spread of Islamism throughout Europe seeing what is happening in, in Britain's streets and France's streets and Germany and Sweden's streets with no-go zones erupting, where you have local Muslims in the area enforcing their own version of Islamic law over yeah. secular laws in certain areas. Walking around and at night, Islamic patrols. In the United States. Yeah, Islamic patrols where they actually walk around the streets and harass people that they're not going by what they think should be, uh, you know, conducting themselves the way they think the Muslim they think Muslims should, as if these people are Muslims. And that could happen very much so in the United States, Minnesota, and Michigan. I wouldn't be surprised if five years from now we start seeing certain areas in those states turn into what we've been seeing in Britain. And I don't know if you've I ever been, have you ever have you ever been to Dearborn? I have not. I have been in the Michigan airport, but I have a good feeling that I'm going to be going to Michigan uh, soon because we have a lot of members in Michigan. And if Islamism does pop up within the state of Michigan and the state of Minnesota, we at Atheist for Liberty are going to take that very, very seriously. Yeah. Dear Dearborn is basically think of Chinatown, but with Arabs. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's 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 I mean, you see you see what women walking around in the full, you know, the full garb, the burqa. You can't see the face, you know, anything. Um, you see storefronts with uh, with you know in Islamic letters, or not Islamic yeah. letters, but Arabic letters. Um, it's it's you feel like you're in the Middle East, honestly. It's 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 a it's it, you feel culture shock, and you're in the United States. And they technically, sure, they have their right to wear that stuff. They have the right to practice their religion sure. freely. I'm a big fan of religious freedom, but I do fear that eventually, with the normalization of Islamism, or due to wokeism as well we are going to start seeing theocracy or theocratic advocates pop up more in the woodwork from those areas. Um, and when I go to Austria, I'm going to state to, to our allies in this fight against Islamism around the world that I fear for the future of the United States in this regard. I don't want the United States to turn into Europe. Um, you know, just because Europe couldn't, couldn't control the situation doesn't mean that the United States must meet the same fate. So I think we have to do more as a society to push back against this. Um, and and it's, some of it's already starting to happen in the United States. Like, look at what ha happened to Salman Rushdie just uh, nearly a week ago, yeah. right? This happened in my state, it's New horrible. York at the Chautauqua Institute, you know, uh, Western New York, right? That's not even Michigan or Minnesota for you. That's an attack 
on somebody based on an old incident that happened 30 years ago with the publication of the Satanic Verses. You know, yeah, he and, lost an eye, and I think they stabbed him in the uh, was it no, it wasn't the kidney, it was the, the neck, I think. Um, yeah. you know, and he was on a ventilator for a bit. Now he's doing all right, thank goodness. Um, but it's uh, it's very unfortunate, and that's happening now, right? That's happening now in the United States. This is not something that's happening, you know, in some some European country where we turn on BBC, you know, and see somebody with a nice accent. Uh, you know, talking about an issue from afar, like, oh, that's very, that's very unfortunate that that's happening in Germany or something like that. No, no, this is happening here. Right. So, you know, as the president of Atheists for Liberty, somebody who has seen the issue with the atheist movement not taking a proper stance on Islam, you know, as a leader that that has members in these places, um, it is something that we're very concerned about, and we we are going to take um, we're going to take a closer eye at and looking into because. Um, I don't want my country to turn into a country where religious law is superior to secular law. You know, I'm consistent with that. We're sticking with the same old mission that all these other atheist orgs claim to do. We actually have a solid mission that actually cares about human rights and our members and, and you know, you know, religious freedom and the Constitution. And I don't want somebody's Islam Islamic doctrine to trump that. I'm I'm wondering, uh, I guess, shifting gears here and uh, I guess hearkening a bit back to, I guess, your movement. I, I I'm curious about the uh, curious about kind of the new atheism. Would you? I mean, this this is where I think new atheism kind of peters out, and I think a lot of them can become nasty. But uh, what would you think about uh, new atheists? Do you go up to Christians and say they immediately challenge them in kind of a very confrontational manner and say, "Oh, well, what do you believe?" and say, "Oh, well, that's not rational." and say, you're believing the most irrational thing. How could you believe in God? Which I get a sense of as an atheist. I don't know if you get a sense of that, or maybe you think that... I would say maybe it depends on the individuals, the individual atheists asking the questions. I, I'm one of the most militant, fiery atheists that you'll meet. But simultaneously, I'm very respectful. I think that we, very similarly to how we have told, you know, leftists, woke atheists, like, hey... You can criticize the religion of Islam while being respectful to, to Muslims as free people and as citizens that have their right to practice their religion freely. We could treat Christians the same. I think that most Christians are very smart, intelligent, kind human beings. I think we need to be respectful to them and kind to them. And simultaneously, we have every right to critique any belief system that we want. And I think most people have pretty thick skin and can tolerate that. I, I, I think any, any kind of belief system, any kind of ideology or movement is not beyond scrutiny or criticism. And I think that Christianity has, has quite a lot of things that we can rightfully criticize about it, but simultaneously we can respect constitute people's constitutional rights. I, we can respect uh, people's willingness to have a conversation because compared to a lot of woke people, right? You have a lot of uh, Christians, for instance, that are actually willing to have these debates and willing to have these conversations. And I think we can do we can do that simultaneously. Um, I'm very much uh, I, I'm very I very much converge on you there, and I think that uh, people can uh, debate. But the one thing I would say, and I don't know if you if you recognize this at all, with a lot of the new atheists, is that uh, they think religion is obviously a very rational phenomenon, and they think that it's essentially faith is something that can lead you to fly planes into buildings and believe in something that's just this mm -hmm. magical sky daddy and make you do crazy things. So they immediately confer that uh, a lot of these people must just believe the ultimate just pretty to say that flat out batch of crazy things and they treat them accordingly and i i don't know if uh, you're I, I feel like a lot of new atheists that's ultimately what they feel like and thus they they treat them accordingly 
And I, I think it naturally leads to that. So I don't know how you think feel about something like that. I don't think it's the majority, but I have seen some of that. Like, you, you know, every once in a while, if you go to like a random atheist Facebook group, you'll find one, one random person, right? That'll sometimes make, you know, a post that's very outlandish or very basic in its criticisms of religion that sometimes comes across as very childish. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it even represents the majority of the new atheists. Like, well, I, like I, I guess there I was kind of going in the decent, not to, not to harp on this, this last thing I'm going to say on it, but kind of the, mm -hmm. they, they kind of start from this is incredibly irrational, which I'm, I'm an atheist and I don't think religion in and of itself is irrational. I think definitely very pious and fundamental, but uh, if you think it's irrational, is it ultimately a lot of people might think, you know, if I think religion is irrational, well, racism is irrational. You can look at a lot of irrational, just pernicious things that cause damage, and thus, thus they treat them <laughs> very kind of uh, similar in that manner, you know, or treat them mm -hmm. how they would treat anything. And I, I see that a lot, and I think that ultimately uh, is, in, in my opinion, kind of a necessary kind of uh, or kind of an implication of believing religion is an, uh, an irrational phenomenon in and of itself. Well, in that case, I'm all right with it. I'm fine with 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 treating religion itself just as we treat wokeism and communism and and other ideologies. I think we should be able to criticize and scrutinize it. I think that there is no merits really much to it. Hence why, you know, we're all atheists and not believers um, per sense. Right. Because if there was a, a a a merit in the idea of like a God's existence. Right. We would we would all be all three of us here would be believers. Um, but simultaneously, I think. You know, it depends on the, I, I think it just all has to do with approach, right? I think if you, you can be truthful, you, you don't have to hide what your views about religion, but as long as you are also a kind and respectful, good hearted person, know that you're talking to a human being that's willing to have a conversation with you, willing to have those discussions. I think that ultimately end of the day, you could eliminate that stigma that, that, you know, atheists are just people that want to, you know, harass christians or call them stupid or you know things like that um because yeah that any behavior like that is not going to get us anywhere we can yeah, be I, I think we can be fiery we can be exciting we can you know build movements of atheists to get them excited into things while simultaneously being respectful to the people that we disagree with on certain issues yeah i i think the most egregious thing i've seen when it comes to atheists is i was in a chick-fil-a <laughs> And there was a guy that had a T-shirt on. And I actually went up and said something to the guy because it was in front of kids and stuff, you know. And it was uh, Jesus effing Jesus. And it was literally Jesus having sex with Jesus. <laughs> and I was just like, come on, man. This is a public, this is a restaurant. There's families, there's kids around. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is definitely not the way to convince anybody to, that you're wrong. Well, is, was he an atheist or was he just some random guy wearing that shirt? He, he was an atheist. I, yeah, I spoke to him. Oh, okay. But yeah. so so the, so that's obviously lowbrow, childish behavior, and that's not gonna it's not gonna. Yeah, be any, any, I think that's an issue with him. I think that's yeah. just you know, like again, very, I'm a very fiery kind of atheist myself. Um, don't wear that to a to a Chick Fil A restaurant. <laughs> right, it's kind of silly in and of itself. Um, you're not gonna make any friends there, and honestly, you know, if you're trying to critique religion, um. I, uh, I don't think that's the best way to do it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of take the Stephen, Stephen Molyneux um, uh, oh, uh, perspective. Uh, I think religion brings a lot of good things to society. I think it's the glue that holds society together. And I think that I don't need, I don't need religion. I don't need belief in magical things. And obviously you don't. And, and uh, my co-host doesn't, but I think there's a lot of people, I think probably the majority of the people in the world do need those things. 
And if they need those things, and you know, I'm a pragmatist. If if you're anti-abortion and I'm anti-abortion, if you're against illegal immigration and I'm against illegal illegal immigration, I I don't really care what your your motivation is. As a pragmatist, I'm only interested in results. And so, if you agree with me on what happens in the here and now, I I couldn't care less what people believe happen after happens after we die. I think when it comes to politics, I'll absolutely agree. Like you know, I I I. I I would I have more in common with an anti woke religious person than a very very woke atheist. Right. Uh, however, um, I I consider myself to be a realist in many respects, and I think religion is going away at least in the West. Right? Yeah, it is. It is. And, it is. But I think it's. I'm just concerned, like like you're concerned, and like you said earlier, I'm concerned that Christianity heading out the door is leaving the door open for us to welcome and, and i and i've heard this argument and wokeism and it, very very concerning to me yes and i and i think that you know it's understandable i hear you know i, I every once in a while that i know that there are some atheists that are that are kind of conservative that that kind of hold that view and i respect that view however i think by us also making that argument uh, you know, I, 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 for example, I respect Jordan Peterson a lot. I think he's done a great job on a civilizational level advocating for men and boys, for example, being more responsible, um, him fighting back against woke ideology is great. But to a degree, and I, and I respect that argument, I think, though, with that kind of, I guess you could say, religious apologism, it still won't keep Christianity here, right? It still won't keep religion. Right. Religion is still going away. Right. And if that is still reality, if that is still the direction of where the United States and where Europe and the West is going in, and if atheism is going to to win uh, compared to Christianity, then we need to think of secular solutions. Christianity is going away. So as much as we want to, as much as some might say, oh, well, you know, maybe something worse could come about. Let's try to do our best to prevent that. You know, that's why we at Atheists for Liberty, we're not saying we need Christianity, but we're also not saying we are not, in one sense of the word, tolerating wokeism whatsoever. Right. We are we are consistent. We are fighting back against all this stuff. We are going to respect people's freedoms to believe in religion. That's what's great about the United States and what's great about America. People are free to believe whatever they want to believe, but simultaneously, we are going to do our best to fight against all kinds of dogmas and to cherish the very enlightenment values and principles that have enabled liberty to exist in the first place. And so um, I, I understand that argument. I know there are a lot of good anti-woke atheists that, that, do, that, that do make that argument too. I just don't think that it's going to change Pew Research. It's not going to change uh, you know, the demographic change that we're seeing right now. And so if we are seeing the current reality that we're seeing, that atheism is going to win, let's have our atheism win. Let's right. build an atheist community and an atheist movement and, an, and a secular America that is pro-freedom, free of dogma, free of superstition, um, but is also caring and compassionate and understanding and liberty-loving. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, so this this leads me to two questions, um, and they're, they're, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, I'm going to ask these questions at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, the first question would be, and you can take your time and, and tell me, you know, how, however you, how, whatever your answer is, is completely fine. Um, would, were you a Trump supporter or were you against Trump 
um, in, in the past and the future. Both. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Well, the second question is, uh, where does Tomashidi see himself in the future? What's your future aspirations? Do you have Do you have Do you have political aspirations? Um, yeah. So those are some very good questions. Okay. Um, sure. The first, so so the answer first one in 2016, I was a Democrat actually. I um, was a single issue voter, so I was very separation of church and state oriented, right? And the uh, the view that I had at the time was, oh well, if if you you know you're against say Ten Commandments on the public lawn or, you know, you're in favor of like gay marriage, for instance, um, or something like that. Oh, you have to vote Dem. You have to vote Democrat because the Democrats are in favor of that. And I was, I was, those were the, really the only issues that I cared about at the time. And so I voted for Clinton. <laughs> um, but soon after that, I started to realize, wait a second, on all these other issues that I'm starting to learn about and care about more, I'm not on the left end of the spectrum, I'm on the right. And then, wow. In public policy, the Democratic Party is supporting more and more wokeism, while the Republican Party not only actually has, uh, you know, not only is the home for the views that I have on all these other issues, but it's getting less religious. So it makes sense if I want to defend the Constitution and defend religious freedom and not have our entire culture get descended into, you know, Ibram X candy books everywhere and racism everywhere and, and radical feminism, you know, going through all of our institutions. I need to vote where my mouth is in this regard. And in many ways, I would argue the same reason to why I voted Democrat in 2016 is why I voted Republican in 2020. Um, to keep this enlightened secular america alive and i don't personally speaking i don't see the democratic party a party that's being engulfed more with the aocs of the world and, oh. and radical feminism and blm as as the solution to this good america that we know and love it's it's the other side at least electorally speaking voting speaking voting you know so you know i that that's why i've i've been getting involved too in 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 the republican party more i'm on committee in the party i've been involved with the college republicans and later on after i graduate college the young republicans um i see these organizations these party organizations as, as the future of of pro enlightenment values america uh and um god i got a million facebook notifications now now, now uh, before you give me your aspirations your future aspirations personal aspirations who do you do you have a candidate in mind that you would like to see run in 2024? Oh, boy, I because no. I think that's that's a crucial that's going to be a crucial election. I know I know people say yeah. that about every real every election is going to be the end of the world, according to everybody. But, but I, I, I really do, do feel like we're at a crucial point in history you now. It's we are getting closer to that. Oh, my God, this nation is really in trouble scenario. Like, like I'll, I'll criticize the Republican Party and frankly, the Democratic Party from like 2008, 2012. Our country, like, don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of division, right? You have MSNBC and Fox News yelling at each other. Right. But we were still, frankly, unified. Um, looking back at it, we kind of still had the sense of patriotism. Obama and McCain both had American flags flying at their events. It was still, you know, very patriotic even on the I'll, I'll, I'll credit the democrats even back then you know it was way more patriotic than it is now you know there was still this sense of like we'll vehemently disagree but we'll still respect one another kind of atmosphere 
but I don't think that that is the reality in the case now. I really do think um, that 2020 and 2022 and 2024, like these are actual elections where we're not just going to make stupid talking points and say our nation is in trouble, blah, blah, blah. Our nation is really in trouble now. Right, right. It's actually in trouble. Like we are actually seeing, you know, we saw in 2020, Chaz and Trop and Chop pop up in the state of Washington where people Insane. literally try to secede from, from the country and form their own like, like woke collective. Um, we're seeing more and more Americans not want to talk to one another. We're seeing families completely split apart in ways that they just haven't split apart in the past. Um, we're seeing people's very concept of reality change over this massive cultural shift. Um, the culture wars are just making it worse and worse too. So yeah, I really... I really am concerned for the election. So I don't really have a favorite preferred candidate at this moment in time for 2024. You know, if I, I pay attention to politics a lot. I have a public policy degree. Um, you know, Donald Trump, obviously, like he is absolutely considering running for president. You look at all of his speeches recently. Look at all of his talking points. He is. He well, is especially after after, after what after his home was invaded, was, was invaded and all that, all those, all those papers taken in Mar-a-Lago. I, yeah, I think, I think that's going to, it, it's it, it, all they did, you know, instead of, instead of scaring him out of running, I think it was like slapping a pit bull across the chops. Yeah. Just, and now, now he's definitely going to run right now. You, you are, you are energized, you're fired up. So I think, I think it's very likely that he's going to run again, but I think also either, I think with DeSantis, for example, either, He's going to see himself as so popular uh, within the next few years that maybe he'll consider running against Trump or maybe he has such a good friendship with, with former President Trump that um, he will choose not to run and still stay, uh, stay in um, uh, stay in the gov you know, governor's mansion in Florida. Uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why Elizabeth Warren didn't run in 2016 on the Democratic side. They, the Democrats wanted her in a good spot uh electorally i think maybe the republicans will see desantis as that or maybe something will happen to trump you know uh he's old in the so next few know. years that'll that'll make him uh less electable i don't know uh where maybe desantis would would come up on top more in the polls i i have no idea so i think at the moment though it's either going to be like trump people are talking about desantis um i know i've seen a lot of memes of like nikki haley running for president one day. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up running in a primary. I don't think she would win though, but no. I think like Nikki Haley would be another candidate that would, that would run for office. Um, when it comes to preferred, I don't really have one. Um, I, as long as you don't go down a path that is very, uh, from my view, like theocratic, um, and you stay principled and you find a way to get the like all the Republican bases with all their check boxes checked off. Um, I will vote for you. Um, my big concern right now, though, is the 2022 election. Um, so in my state, we have a governor's race that's very, very important right now. Right. Um, there is a firm chance that my congressman, Lee Zeldin, could win in November. There are po various polls that are actually showing him a few points ahead of Kathy Hogel. Um, I'm very also invested in a congressional race that's happening right now um, uh, in my area for Congress uh, to replace Lee Zeldin. Um, since Lee Zeldin can't run for Congress anymore, um, I'm supporting a uh, really awesome guy um, that Lee Zeldin likes uh, by the name of Nick LaLota. 
Um, he's running for Congress in, uh, in, in my area. And I, I've been uh, helping him out a little bit here and there by, by just volunteering on the campaign, putting out some lawn signs and stuff like that. I think he's a, he's a very good dude. I hope he uh, wins the primary. And he's, he's uh, statistically speaking, I th we think he's going to win the primary um, within the, uh, the next few days. Primary election is going to be on Tuesday um, for that. And then there's a lot of assembly races. But a lot of these, these same arguments that I made for, for why the presidential election in 2024 is so important is the same reasons why all these local races in 2022 is very important. If you are a Republican or a conservative right now and you're pissed off at the high gas prices, you're pissed off at your freedoms being restricted over the last few years in the name of safety. Uh, meanwhile, you might be vaccinated or you might have antibodies in your system or you might have already taken as many precautions as they told you, but your business still failed or you're running off your 401k right? or you're trying to make ends meet for your family, you know, and you're fired up now. You know, want to know what will make 2024 better for us by getting good people elected to office in 2022. I completely agree. Completely agree. You know, I, I'd like to see I'd like to de see DeSantis run, to be honest with you. I, I voted for Trump uh, mm -hmm. both in the primaries uh, and, and in the general election and then and then against uh, Joe Biden. So three times I voted for him. Uh, I, you know, if he runs again in, in uh, 2024, I'll vote for him. But I, I would prefer to see DeSantis. I think it'd be a bit, I think he's less polarizing. Uh, the problem is, is that I think that it's it's Trump's election to to accept or to reject. I think yeah. if he, I think if he runs, there's nobody going to beat him. Uh, so he he'll be the Republican nominee if he runs. I have a, I, I have kind of a la one last substantive question I'd like to ask you, and it's uh, in regards to transgenderism. I mean, this is something that's uh, oh, my I favorite think, topic. Yeah, I, I'm particularly <laughs> interested with this in this in regards to kind of somebody, concern. somebody, somebody, get out the dick saw. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I'm particularly interested in this in regards to conservatism because there seems to be a shift in that. Uh, I mean, you could look at the polls that most uh, conservatives support some form of gay marriage or support gay marriage, the most substantive right that they they advocate for. And I find a lot of these same conservatives and myself included that uh, we have qualms of transgenderism and we think uh, something to the extent of, OK, well, why is it now that you want to have a third gender or have a non-binary gender? And there's also, I, I think, more kind of the pressing issue of uh what exactly is going on with gender dysphoria? Should it be viewed as, is it the case that it really is some sort of mental illness and not as much like a preference, like, or not as much like an innate kind of a part of you. And that's like mm -hmm. a homosexuality. And I also kind of, how does, how does kind of the right confront this, this, this. So that's a very good question. I've been uh, this, so this is my view. I guess you could say it's a more liberal view compared to others in the conservative movement. So I'm very glad that a good chunk of the conservative movement now and the party, the Republican party, a lot of them don't care about gay marriage anymore. I think it was a losing fight uh, with Oberfeld v. Hodges. So that is a solid Supreme court decision. I could see, you know, I could, uh, you know, I, I, I was able to realistically see Roe v. Wade going away more Oberfeld v. Hodges. I don't think is going away for a while. I'm actually glad because uh, as a church state separation advocate, if you want to get married outside of a religious institution, right. Through, you know, in a courthouse or something like that or a different institution i don't think uh, the government should really um be be legislating morality in that case in that context and you have a lot of normal americans right non-woke non-crazy americans that see two people that happen to be of the same sex being sexually attracted to one another 
wanting to have a future. I think if, I think Republicans being against it for a long time turned a lot of people off from the Republican Party, myself included, actually. Um, there was a reason why I, as a teenager, was like, oh, I'm going to check the, off the box and register as a Democrat because the Republicans are the non-gay marriage party. And I'm not even gay, not even LGBT, but like even when I was in high school, for instance, because gay marriage was a big issue, I was a part of my school's gay straight alliance group. I, I, I'm a big fan of wanting to treat people equally, giving them the equal opportunity as Americans to be treated with the same amount of dignity and respect based on things they can't control, right? So sexual orientation is something you can't control. Homosexuality and heterosexuality are things that are just within you. Right. And it's existed throughout the animal kingdom. Now, with transgenderism, with non-binaryism, with all this stuff, this is my view. I think gender dysphoria is real, but I think it is a mental disorder. Absolutely. It's, you know, we classified it as a mental disorder for a very, very long time. It's way different than homosexuality because that's a sexual orientation that has popped up numerous times within the animal kingdom too, like I said a second ago. Well, uh, let, me, let me say this to you real quick. The, what I always tell people, the difference between a homosexual, and I'm not a homosexual either, but mm-hmm. but if I, you know, I have no problem with it. I, I'm kind of, when it comes to homosexuality, I'm kind of the way you are when it comes to abortion or the way your way your organization is when it comes to abortion. Right. I, 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 I'm kind of indifferent. But but the, to me, the difference between a homosexual and, and somebody who claims to be transgender is the difference between somebody that likes to eat cat food and somebody that says, I'm an actual cat. Right. Yeah, I, can't exactly. really, I, can't, I can't relate yeah. to either one, but one is possible. The other is not. So, yeah. So, so I, I hold the exact same view. Um, now, here's, 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 here's my view. I also differentiate uh, between transgenderism, too, and it's even worse, with the, with the gender-fluid non-binary. So, oh. here, so here's, here's my view. With transgenderism, I think transgenderism is real in that it is the actual disorder of gender dysphoria. I think it's an actual mental health condition and a problem that, you know, you should try to get fixed. Um, right. the, the, the issue is, is that as far as I know, and I, I don't, I don't want to use the meme of, I'm not a scientist, um, but um, <laughs> I don't think in medical science, we have many solutions to cure people of gender dysphoria uh, really much. And it's, it's a shame. I really, I, I, I actually, I, I'm not, you know, not an advocate, not saying this, but like, I think that's the reason why people do get those change operations. It is a disorder. It's not natural for you to do it. I'm not, the, I'm not a fan of you doing it, but uh, it is technically the only quote unquote solution we have at this time. I wish we could find, and I could be totally wrong by the way. So like, Tommy Sheedy, the expert, says, um, <laughs> but I want there to be a solution where we can cure gender dysphoria without you having to, yeah, get the hacksaw, because that's not natural. That's not normal. Um, right. I, yeah, I was trans, and you, like, I have, I actually have a few transgender friends, for instance. I have a few people that are trans that I, we have a trans, we have two trans members of AFL, even. Um, I respect them. And I uh, treat them with with kindness and dignity. I know that they that is something that they can't control. That's an actual mental illness. But here's my other problem too. We as a society have normalized transgenderism so much to where it seems like it's more than just a very, 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 very small minority of people who have this disorder. It's become trendy. So it used to be 
this very tiny percentage of people in like even 2010, for instance, like this is the culture we had very, very tiny perspective, perception, uh, a number of people who had this. We had sympathy for this person, you know, and, and it is what it was now. Oh, you're 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 a girl and you're playing with G.I. Joe's. You must be a boy. You're a guy and you um, I don't know. You like you like coloring things with the color pink. I use a pink highlighter, for instance, sometimes when I when I check off my tasks at the end of the day. Right. Just to differentiate on my uh, on my to do list. Well, you must be a girl then. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, we have gotten to that point where you do literally have suburban family members in in parts of the United States that are actually coming to that conclusion. And that is very scary. It's, you know, every people can go check out Colin Wright's work. He's on our advisory board, Atheist Liberty. He does a lot of great work at opposing this kind of nonsense. But okay, transgenderism, this is where I'm I'm kind of more liberal. Transgenderism, I actually kind of understand. You have the mental condition, you have the mental disorder. Fine. That has some basis in science, even though we shouldn't be advocating for people to chop their bits off. Fine. Okay. I'll concede on that actually. Sure. Um now with gender fluidity, gender non-binary. This is absolute garbage. Absolute right. garbage. You are literally, it's like I am literally playing pretend. Like I'm literally playing with those G.I. Joes and saying, oh, I'm I'm, I, I'm going to be G.I. Joe during this one day and then I'm going to be, you know, getting <laughs> out the next day just because I feel like it. That's, ba that's the entire premise of being gender fluid where you can go back and forth any day based on how you feel. That has no actual basis in science nor reality whatsoever, whatsoever. And that's where I'm, uh, when it comes to the whole perspective of LGBTQIA++, AIP, whatever, <laughs> the entire that's where I am the most conservative. And that's where we as a party and as a movement need to take a hard stance on. Let's go. We need to be, we should be actually be the party of science. Like the Democrats are like, we're the party of science. We should actually be the party of science. So like the whole perspective, I just say, we're like, okay, at least with trans people, like they have the mental disorder that's rooted in science for many years until we took it out of the science books as a mental disorder, out of political correctness. We, we should treat it as a mental disorder. We should see that as a scientific problem that we need to try to solve medically. Um, but this other stuff, no, that's where we need to draw the hard line in the sand, not concede, not not, you know, I know there are certain social conservatives that say we're going to the, on the left speed, but at the speed limit on that issue, I want to make sure we never do. Right. Ever. Hard well, line and immediately. Well, well, to me, you know, the thing is, is, is this has gotten so crazy. What, what's happened is, is we've transitioned from an objectivist, an objectivist uh, society to a subjectivist mm -hmm. or a.k.a. postmodernist society. So we went yeah. to, from an objective reality to a subjective reality. Everybody gets their own reality. Yeah, if if I could, uh, kind of your take on that, and I agree with a lot of it, I, I would say, though, in regards to kind of gender dysphoria, and this is a, this is kind of my two cents on it, I would say that uh, if you look at a lot of research, and I'm sure Colin Wright's talked about this, I know I've heard him mm -hmm. talk about this in well, read, read him. He's a, he's a good commentator, but... Uh, a lot of the the people of gender gender dysphoria and they transition. You don't see like a a, 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 a quelling of kind of their uh, comorbidities and kind of the other mental elements they have. So to me, that says that uh, a lot of these people they're not getting the right treatments, and I think we have to be mindful of that. So to that extent, I would I think it's a mental illness, and I'm obviously that means that I'm sympathetic to it. 
Yes. But I don't think uh, transitioning is the right uh, kind of course of action for at least the vast majority of people. I've, I've heard anecdotes of people who transition yeah. and they say that they're better. But uh, for that, that's we have the exact same view. Uh, I, definitely definitely so, not children. Yeah. yeah. I, I, say, uh, I highly recommend that people watch um, Matt Walsh's documentary on The Daily Wire, What is a yeah. Woman? Excellent. Excellent it documentary. It's a phenomenal documentary. I disagree with uh, the one part where they're like, oh, it's because of Judeo-Christian teachings are moving away from that this is happening. But that's the one that's that's I agree with 99.999% of it. And it is a phenomenal, phenomenal film. I my favorite you guys are probably as have probably seen the scene, the scene where Matt is walking through like the African village. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he's, he's asking he's asking these people that have no idea what any of this modern <laughs> culture or nonsense is. What about transgenderism? And they're like, what? And then it's even worse because they, they kind of knew it barely barely 1% of what transgenderism was. But then they said, Matt asked. What about what about non-binaries? What about non-binaries? Non <laughs> they're all like, what the heck? Why are we even? Why are we even on camera? They they had the look of why are we even volunteering to do this? Yeah. Um, you know because I am. This is this is where you know this is why I say we need to be the movement of science. I see gender ideology just like I see creationism. I I shrug my head and go, WTF? There are men and there are women. That's it. There are men and there are women, and then you have people that have that gender dysphoria condition, where we have we, we have a few we have two transgender members of AFL. We treat them with absolute respect. I've all been I've been in favor, for example, too, of trans people not being bullied in school. So I yeah, of course, I've of course. a lot of work in the GSA, not not being mistreated, not being discriminated against, but simultaneously us being real to what yeah. this problem is and not being delusional about it just because you know the culture changes about it. You know, we should be the party of science and reality. And if we are the party of science and reality, sometimes science skews left, sometimes science skews right. Right. And we should be consistent about that. And more and more Americans need to stand up against this harm of, of gender ideology because you're literally going to have entire generations of people that are going to be completely changed. And some even, you know, a small, still a small portion, though, being chemically castrated when they you know, might have not had to, you know, back, back in the day when I was in the GSA, the logic and idea was, and this is even among proponents of trans rights that, okay, you should do a lot of even trans rights advocates in like 2013 had the view of you, if you, once you're 18, once you're an adult, fine, then make those decisions. Now it's a movement where parents are being encouraged to chemically castrate their children. Yep. At a young age, yeah. what the heck? That's that's just ten years, ten years of cultural change, ten years of cultural change that I never signed up for in the first place. So just like I was with like Michael Shermer and all these other people in opposing creationism and being the being the science oriented person, Thomas Sheedy, the science oriented person, has never gone away, and we need to become the science oriented movement of saying heck no to this nonsense here and now. I agree. I, my question for you and. It kind of goes and it, it kind of harkens back to what you said about, uh, I guess, one of the impetuses for you uh, being a Democrat initially was that uh, you saw, I guess, conservative opposition to gay marriage and you thought, OK, what's going on here? You know, yeah. and my question is, and I definitely, definitely uh, uh, concur with your idea of being a realist, but could it also be the same thing that uh, whether we like it or not, that a lot of the people that are turned off by Republicans because of gay marriage are ultimately going to have kind of the same persuasion uh, in regards to transgenders or when they think, 
oh, well, these bigots are are anti-trans and they don't accept their lifestyle. Therefore, I can't vote for them or that's just a bridge too far. And you can see that as possible. So I think it's possible. But I think I think also I'll criticize the Republican Party of 10 years ago and say I think they did a bad job of communication. I think and this is why I'm actually in favor of secularizing the right, because if the right is secularized, then the only arguments that you can make are science based and reality based arguments and not faith based ones. You know, having the argument of, oh, I'm against gay marriage because my God, my personal God, my personal being that I have no evidence for that I personally believe in says that it shouldn't be the case. Well, what if I don't believe in that God? Right. Then, Like we are we are operating in two different passions of reality. Well, once you, you have both of the big political parties, big political movements in the United States, not operating off of that system, but saying, OK, you might have a different faith than I do. I might have a different faith than you do. But. I'm operating off of a system that we of reality that we at this moment we are both believing is consistent, and based on what we see here and now, this is wrong because of A, B, and C. I there's no guarantee, but I think we would be going in a in a much stronger direction as a party and a movement to convince these people that we're actually the rational, middle of the road, non crazy people when it comes to these arguments about gender ideology. If we, yeah, don't come about it from just religion. Um, because if the opposition doesn't believe in your religion, then you, you have literally no leg to stand on. Um, and that, that's why the, the, the atheism part of this, this, the whole normalizing atheism concept, the, the good aspects of the original atheist movement come into play actually for the conservative movement and for the liberty movement. If, if atheists and atheist advocacy becomes normalized on the right, where you can be an elected Republican and be an atheist. If that becomes into fruition and that is totally accepted and we all operate religious or non-religious alike on objective reality and not any kind of superstition, whether it be Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism, wokeism, <laughs> um, then we'll be able to actually have a rational discussion on things and actually yeah. be able to, to, to legislate properly and also protect the moral and ethical value of the American nation and the American people without looking like Looney Tunes characters. Yeah, I agree. I yeah, agree. I, I should say two things, and uh, I, I concur with uh, pretty much everything you said there. One is that uh, we we actually interviewed Shirley Filtro about that uh, of Westboro Baptist Church and uh, the other name that she goes by. But uh, <laughs> And the whole time I was challenging her, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm a basically said something to the effect of I'm an, I'm an atheist and I'm pro gay marriage because I've seen a lot of the literature support it, but uh, I have qualms with transgenderism because I don't see the same thing. Whereas you seem to just kind of fall up. You seem mm-hmm. to just follow outright the decrees of your Bible. And I definitely, uh, I recognize that, but I would also say that uh, you do see, and maybe this is me putting another plug for religion or saying that uh, I'm, I'm not an, why I'm not an anti-theist is, mm-hmm. But uh, you do see the majority of Christians today, you, you can look at the polling data, it shows that they do support gay marriage. So there can be a shift in a lot of yeah. this stuff. And, and, and obviously, Republicans do. So many Republicans, there were Republicans in the House of Representatives that voted for the um, well, the Respect for Marriage Bill, which I actually commend. I think, I actually have no quarrels with the Respect for Marriage Bill. I think it was put up by Democrats. Um, again, not a fan of majority Democratic legislation, but I think this is mostly a nonpartisan thing. And my congressman, who's very staunchly conservative, who is liked by Donald Trump, by the way, um, you know, not some rhino, Lee Zeldin, you know, voted in favor of the Respect for Marriage Bill. And I think that is a good sign to show that, okay, we are we as a party are now trying to move past the issues that turned us off from so many 
middle of the road people in 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15. And it makes me happy to see that. I, I agree. There are a lot, I, most Christians are the same way in this country. That's why I'm saying we should be respectful to Christians. We should be nice to Christians. Most Christians are our friends, our allies, our family members. We just think they're 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 wrong on faith and the God part. Um, we can we can debate that respectfully, but on all these other issues, you know, just like you guys, anti woke Christian versus woke atheist who would probably cancel me and report me to some blogger. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to work with the Christian that's a, that's way more normal, who I agree with on 90% of things versus the woke atheist who I only agree on 10% of things, who could also try to get me fired or get get me in trouble or something like that. So um, I, I think that brings us to, I think that brings us to the aspirations of, of uh, Thomas Sheedy, as far as political or, or, you know, otherwise. So the biggest aspiration right now I have is to see Atheists for Liberty as a 501c3 nonprofit grow and expand ever more nationally. We are building a new atheist movement, a movement that is not woke, a movement that is not partisan, a movement that is not irrational, a movement that actually listens to its members a movement that'll that'll secularize Washington and states in a way where a respect for freedom of religion and belief is encouraged. And it can all be done. It's being done. But we're still a small, ever-growing nonprofit. So I would encourage both of you and I would encourage all of your listeners to become members of Atheists for Liberty today at atheistsforliberty.org. Our starting membership is only a dollar a month, billed at $12 a year. And if you go and click the Join Us Now button yeah. on the homepage, we have a ton of awesome benefits that are on the site, and we fulfill literally all of them. Uh, certain benefits offer free signed books from all of our Board of Advisors members. A lot of cool people, by the way, from the Liberty Movement and Conservative Movement that are also atheists that are on the advisory board. The advisory board is ever-growing. We have signed books from nearly all of them at one of our houses. Uh, one of our stock houses. So we ship them out to any members of a certain tier to request them. We do a streaming series every single week. Um, and we're kicking them off again in September where we interview people from politics, culture, uh, the intellectual sphere, philosophy, atheism, religion, you name it. Um, we're trying to grow that more. And some of these videos already have thousands of views on YouTube. We're monetized already on there. That's how much that's how much popularity we have. There's a real thirst to see us thrive. We have interactive online programs such as public speaking workshops called Impossible Conversations that we have every Wednesday just in our Discord server alone. We've kind of formed a second family online. Um, and we have Sunday night discussions too. And we are now kicking off regional meetups throughout the United States. We're starting on September 3rd, Saturday, September 3rd in New York State with our first one. Then we're going to be doing Texas, then Nebraska, then New Hampshire, and more. And our state director program, this is how much you know Atheists for Liberty. There's an actual thirst to see Atheists for Liberty thrive compared to these woke atheist organizations. You know, not to go too much after my, uh, the former organization I used to, one of the former organizations I used to work, American Atheists. I was an assistant state director for American Atheists when I was like 18. 19 years old and they have existed since 1963 they only have 31 state directors we launched our state director program back in early march of this year we already have 10 and we have 
official regional meetups now popping up because we also want to rebuild the local atheist community too, where if you're not woke atheist and you'll believe that everything is racist and everything is sexist and that we can criticize Islam just like we can criticize Christianity too, like you're an actual skeptic and free thinker, we want to make sure that there's a local haven for you. And then we are, of course, continuing the one thing that made us kick off as an organization, going to conference exhibitions. We go to CPAC every single year. That's where we premiered as an organization back in 2020, normalizing the idea that you could be a conservative and being a, an atheist. We just got back recently from Freedom Fest. We, we're doing the same thing with the libertarians. Uh, we're making friends with people who believe in objectivism, existentialism, stoicism, people with various different philosophical backgrounds, but simultaneously have a love for the nation, love for our constitution, love for the American people. And there's so much of a thirst and demand that we need more volunteers. We need more people with their expertise to come in and try to alleviate us, alleviate us in certain places. Our comms team is growing too much. Our operations staff is growing too much. Um, our, we need more content for our newsletter. We have a newsletter that goes out every single month, and we have opinion pieces and statements published every single week. We just did an amazing piece on Salman Rushdie, for instance. Um, it's huge. And so the future of myself in this regard is to see myself kind of sitting at the top of a hill, seeing a a very strong Atheist for Liberty 501c3 org exists. Maybe then we later on launch a 501c4 and maybe a PAC and really secularize all of American politics to where we can discuss all of these issues from a rational perspective and, and realize, you know what, my work is done. Well, I never wanted to do this when I was an 18-year-old at Reason Rally 2. Right. The entire movement collapsed upon me and a lot of national leaders said, Thomas, I know you're an 18-year-old kid, but you're literally the only person now that is doing this go do it. And so if I can make that happen, if I can please all of my members and all of our supporters and, and really just fight, 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 fight like hell until this succeeds, then I can sit back at that hill, enjoy, you know, a wholesome time with myself and maybe a, you know, a ladder wife and maybe a dog or two with a picket fence and, and, and just, just cherish the fact that in my one life, I, I, I did something good for the future of civilization. So, so no aspirations to run for office then? Um, Cause I would think, I would I think that might be ruled out, but simultaneously it's not something that I'm massively in favor of now. Um, especially, I'm just, I'm just you know, saying that might fit into your plan. It's, it's very possible. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, Ron Reagan, the son of president Ronald Reagan said in 2004, I think he was asked either about running for office or maybe even running for president. Um, you know, that he couldn't get elected as an atheist. Now that's not true, by the way. We have a Congressional Free Thought Caucus in the House of Representatives. The only problem is it's, it's all uh, Democrat. Um, and we actually now have a Republican, a state elected Republican official who is an atheist now. We're starting to see the beginning stages of this. If that growth continues, maybe that is, there is a possibility for me to do that. I just don't know if I would ever want to run for public office. Yeah, I but, mean, you're, you're only 24, so it's, it's very possible. But either way, I still want to build up a movement in the process and make it easier for people to run for public office who are atheists who are also not insane, which I would argue are the vast majority of atheists and the vast majority of Americans. I would like so, to think that. I'm not, I'm not sure I agree with you, but I, I would like to think well, that. I'll, I'll give you a good example for, before the show. I'm, I'm assuming we're ending soon. But in 2012... Uh, the, there was an event called the, 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 the 2012 Reason Rally. I mentioned the 2016 Reason Rally earlier. There was the Reason Rally in 2012. It was the largest gathering of atheists in the world. There were 30,000 atheists met on the Washington Mall in the cold rain. The dirt was muddy. 
and and the Westboro Baptist Church or somebody, so a bunch of other Christians were there protesting on the side. We still had 30,000 atheists and we raised millions of dollars. Wow. This think tanks. Fast That's that forward cool. to 2016, because of social justice and woke ideology, those 30,000 atheists, they didn't show up. Only 700 to 3,000 atheists showed up because those atheists, same atheist think tanks that used to care about reason and rationality and secularism and skepticism and normalizing atheism, they cared more about woke left social justice. Right. And what did that 30,000 atheist majority from 2012 say after watching Thunderfoot's videos, rightfully critiquing where the direction of the reason rally was going? They said, we're not going to go to this. We're not going to do that. We're atheists. We don't, we're, you know, we care about secularism. We care about atheism, but we don't, we don't care about this extra stuff that we never signed up for. So that's why I'm confident to say that we represent the majority of atheists. The majority of atheists, they might skew one way politically, but they don't believe that everything is racist, that everything is culturally evil, that this nation is horrible. And that's why this is the problem. That's why I'm asking for volunteers in this little pitch here at the end, because there is so much growth with atheists because a lot of atheists from that old movement are coming back. And we're also attracting a lot of atheists who are conservatives and libertarians and, and, and people who just want to see us succeed that, that we need more help because <laughs> that, that majority of, of godless Americans, they, they still want that mission to succeed, but they just want to see the same mission that they originally signed up for. Excellent. Excellent. So, do me a favor and send me in in the in the uh, in that PM on on Twitter. Send me a link that you'd like me to add to the to the to the description of the show. Absolutely, I really do appreciate you guys having me on the show. I look forward to chatting with you guys more after. I want to see if we could get you to uh, to become members, but also to everybody listening. To I want to thank you all for listening, and I want to thank you both for having me on the show and. And we're really trying to build a new movement here. And it would be just an absolute honor and privilege if, if all of you can join us in that fight. Um, it really means a lot. And I appreciate all of you taking your time out of your afternoon on a beautiful, at least from my perspective, a beautiful sunny day right. to, uh, to make this conversation happen. Well, you have my contact info. You know, you know how to get a hold of me. So if you have anything in the future that you would like to promote, feel free to reach out to me. Absolutely, I will do. You have a great show, and I uh, I like listening in. And you can you just uh, got yourself another active listener. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you for coming on. Uh, brighter later. Do you have anything else to say before we wrap up? No, just gonna kind of concur with the same. Uh, concur with your sentiment. This has been a, an interesting interview, and it's uh, good to see kind of uh, atheist conservatives. And uh, I, it's one of my goals is definitely to see a a conservative party that's uh, amenable to. Uh, uh, electing a conservative atheist. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, you've been an excellent guest. Uh, I've enjoyed the interview. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, and I hope the listeners enjoyed as much as we all have. And uh, you have a great day, and I look forward to speaking to you in the future. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. What, whatever you do, don't forget to send me that link so I can put it in the description. Oh, I definitely will. I'll, I'll, I'll literally pull up the URL now, guys. Atheistforliberty.org. Great organization we're trying to build here. We really would love all of you to support us, follow us on social media, and become a member today. Okay, my friend, thank you for coming on the show, and you have a great day. You too, guys. Bye. Okay, this has been the Conservative Atheist Podcast. We were interviewing uh, Thomas Sheedy, and uh, he's, uh, been, he's been... I should a, say really quickly, the, 
I was going to say I'm amazed by. He he actually has a 501c3, and he doesn't just say that he has a 501c3 on the donation page. Yeah, like, I know. That's that's that was, yeah. Well, not not everybody's a scam artist like uh, like Ali Alexander, but uh, so uh, we we've been interviewing Ali. Uh, we've been interviewing Mr. Thomas Sheedy. He was an excellent guest. Sounds like he has an excellent organization. I encourage everybody to go to that to the link that I'm going to provide in the description and check out his organization and seriously consider joining. It's only a dollar a month, and they give you books and everything else as he described. So you can't beat that. Um, so uh, again, we drop a we drop an episode every day, Monday through Friday, um, after midnight. So you know, Sunday into Monday after twelve oh one a.m. on for on you know over twenty five uh, podcast platforms. Uh, once a day, the episodes go anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half to two hours to two and a half hours, uh, all depending on the guest, all depending on the topic. Uh, and uh, you know, we try to bring you the best interviews like we just did uh, as much as possible. Uh, we talk about all different type of political issues, and uh, we're going to continue to generate this content. So if you like what you heard, please, please, please uh, give me feedback. Nobody gives feedback. A lot of people listen. Nobody gives feedback. So be courageous. Give feedback. Whether you want to say, I hate you, conservative atheist. I want you to stop doing podcasts. Or I love you, conservative atheist. I want you to do more. Or anywhere in between, please give feedback. Uh, I, I really appreciate the feedback. Um, so... And if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe, and uh, and you'll be a listener. It's free, and uh, you'll get more content like this. All right, so this has been The Conservative Atheist, and as I always like to wrap up the show, when you go to sleep tonight and you're staring up at your ceiling, repeat this mantra. <laughs> Conservative atheist is always right. Conservative atheist is always right. Conservative atheist is always right. And when you wake up in the morning, the, the sun will, bright, uh, will uh, be brighter. The birds will, will tweet sweeter, the air will be fresher, and everything will be right with the world. All right, you knuckleheads, I'll talk to you again.